0: Oh. Bunny! Yes? If you're like me, then you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast, The Pope on Film. I mean, who is it nowadays? Everybody is. It's taking the nation by storm. It's sweeping the nation. It's swiffering the nation by storm. But only real fans, true hardcore fans that have been with us since the beginning— that have been with us since we were a traveling roadshow, since we were just a pamphlet written in Kent, Ohio, uh, would know two undeniably really real and not made up on the spot facts about the both of us, America's hottest, will they or won't they, couple Bunny and Steve. First and foremost is the fact that you, Bunny, are a very successful part-time wet nurse. Now, can you walk us through that, Bunny? How did you get started in uh, the world of being a wet nurse? There are
1: so many aspects to wet nursing. I, I it is a, a very, very underrated profession, uh, and and much scorned, much scorned. Is awesome the wet nurse and. People do not realize what goes into it. Uh, I mean, I had to start just training to be a male wet nurse, you know. Uh, At a very young age, I had to get one of those breast pumps because it takes a really long time to condition male breasts to start producing milk, you know. So it was a part of my workout routine. So there would be, you know, there would be like, like upper body strength day, you know, and of course it would always be the dreaded leg day. Everybody talks about it. Everybody fears leg day. Of course, of you know, course, I, I yeah. would, yeah, I would, I would, I would, uh, I would have titty day. You know, I would have titty day where it was just like various strength pumps. You know, um. for about 20 pumps at a time rest and maybe another 20 pumps at a time except when you get up to the big dairy models they're all like automatic and full fucking strength. you know that's really when you know you're ready you know so uh from there uh you know word of mouth you know things like that uh like most artists, you have to do things for exposure, you know. So, somebody pay will your want due. you, Gotta pay your will, dues. huh? Gotta pay your dues, yeah. Somebody will want you at their party and they're not gonna pay you, and you're gonna have to breastfeed all the guests, but you know, you're getting good exposure, you know. And it's like, yes, uh, but like, uh, what really made me big in the industry uh that most people know again because male wet nurses are unsung is that uh, I-, I developed chocolate. So one yeah. breast was chocolate, one breast was regular. So that was that was kind of a big deal. I had to give out a you lot of free samples before that me. started rolling, you know, but everybody wants the chocolate milk now course they I want hear, to
0: try it i hear that it brings all the boys to your yard, so that's something i it's, think it's something to fall back on anywho the know. second thing that you would know about me yeah yeah safety net yeah and the second thing that you would know about me, is that I'm a lover of history. I love it, but I'm also a storyteller. So what I like to do at this part of the podcast is find a story from the history books, maybe one that people don't know too well, and reword it via my own unique voice, my own unique storytelling style, my own unique panache, razzmatazz, bringing out the shimmer. And that's what this is, another educationally uneducational installment of... Steve's Historic Approximations! (laughs) Or Shap, as I like to call it repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not. Personally, I like the name Shap. It's short, but it's wise. It's the Papa Smurf of podcast segments. Anywho, this week on the old Shapity Shap Shap, We will be discussing good versus evil, light versus darkness, Miskel Spillman and Elvis Costello. Sure, everybody knows the name Elvis Costello. The man's a musical legend, but no one remembers the name Miskel Spillman. And on this week's SHAP, we will be talking about how Elvis Costello robbed my new hero, Miskel Spillman, from being a household name. But first, before we get to Miskel Spillman, I need to talk a little bit about the musical legend that was uh, uh, Elvis Costello. We still have the second screen, by the way. Good. His real name, of course, isn't uh, Elvis Costello. His real name is Gordon M. Sumner. Just kidding. That was Sting's real name. Do you like jazz? Elvis Costello's real name is Declan Patrick Aloysius McManus. That's not even a name, that's a punishment. He was born in 1954 to a musically inclined couple. His dad was a jazz trumpeter. So, Elvis loved music growing up. And in his early 20s, he started a pub rock band. And it's important to uh, explain what a pub rock band is. It was a 70s movement in the UK because prog rock was all big in the 70s in England and it was mind expanding and uh, drug induced and extra and then glam rock was all big and flashy and also extra but regular British blokes just wanted to go back to the good old days where they could go to a pub, get shit face drunk, listen to some dad rock and get into a fight. Thus, the Powerpuff Girls were born! Uh, And pub rock became a thing. It was butt rock in pubs, and you could get into a fight. So Elvis Costello was fronting a pub rock band called Flip City, and he was also looking for a solo recording contract. And in 1976, he got signed to an indie label, And in 1977, he released his first album, My Aim Is True. His song, Allison, used to be one of my go-to songs uh, in karaoke. And that song got me through a handful of breakups back in the day. Anyway, it seems as if it's important to put in context that this early version of Elvis Costello, the pub rock Elvis Costello, before he may or may not have gotten full of himself, a young Early Elvis Costello was willing to cause a stink and make a scene in order to get his name out there. For example, his first album was only released in the UK. No one wanted to release it in the United States. So at a London convention of CBS record executives, Elvis Costello showed up and started busking in protest. He was arrested It made the papers, and CBS Columbia Records signed him and released his album in America in 1977. Elvis Costello, young Elvis Costello, troublemaker. Now, let's put a pin on that, because we are in the pocket of big pin. Yes. We're using more pins than any other podcast. So put a pin on that, because it's now time, and this is when you would want to switch, Bunny. To move on to the myth, the legend, the one and only Miskell Spillman, my new hero.
1: Yes. She was born
0: in Germany. Yes. She immigrated to the United States. She said, Roots in New Orleans. Miskel Spillman got living a nice quiet as a happy uh, quiet.
1: Yeah, she was hold-, ju- hold up a second. We seem to be losing you a bit.
0: Are you there? There you go. There you go. Okay, we gotcha. We're still in business. No problem. Okay, so you can hear me just fine. Yes,
1: and you were pretty much just getting into the story, and man, I was praying for you to come back because it was such a perfect transition over.
0: Okay, miscal Spillman. I don't know, I'm just going to start over with Miskel Spilman. She was born in Germany. She immigrated to the United States. She set roots in New Orleans. She got married. She had kids. She had grandkids. And she was living a nice, quiet life as a happy, normal... ...grandmother. And that would have been... every day.
1: We're kind of losing you again, dude.
0: Not to produce, not to promote cowboys, because you're a movie. Hi everybody,
1: it's me. me, me, all
0: so me. me. The I'm fucking alien. Yeah. We're working on it. Leave me
1: alone. Jeez. You'll be right back, man. Bunny, mm-hmm. speak to me!
0: Oh, Jesus. Okay. D- you got me? Okay. Okay. Geez- oh, it's- okay. Yeah, okay. Me, gotcha. Okay. Jesus Christ. All right. It, it's, it's see. It, you know what this is? You know who's you know you know who's doing this to me? What? It's obvious. Elvis Costello. It's Elvis Costello. Yes. He's in league with China. And together they're trying to silence the story of Mystical Spillman. Yes. That's what this is. Yes, it is. I- I am on to you, Gordon M Sumner. <laughs> they, they, they don't want to hear the truth. Okay. So, we're still good? Okay, goddammit, it. I'm going to start this again. Mystical Spillman. And last week there were sound problems, so I'm doing this a second time, but then there's problems the second time. God yeah. damn it. We're going to get through this. <laughs> Miskel Spillman, she was born in Germany. She emigrated to the United States. She set roots in New Orleans. Miskel Spillman got married, had kids, grandkids, and lived a nice, quiet life as a happy grandmother, and that would have been it were it not for Saturday Night Live. It's 1997. SNL is starting its third season. Chevy is out. Bill Murray is in. Buck Henry and Steve Martin are appearing frequently to really grab people's attention. At the beginning of season three, they announce a contest. That anyone can host Saturday Night Live contest. The rules were simple. You send in a postcard explaining in 25 words or less why you should be chosen to host. And Saturday Night Live received over 150,000 postcards. But five random people were chosen as finalists, and one of the final five was Miskal Spilman, an 80-year-old grandmother whose essay read, and I quote, I need one more cheap thrill since my doctor told me I only have another 25 years to live. (laughs) She made two appearances. The first one was on the November 19th, 1977 episode of Saturday Night Live. The five finalists took the stage in the cold opening. Uh, they, they appeared and introduced uh, themselves. I have the episode on my computer. It was host Buck Henry and musical guest, the insufferable Mr. Leon Redbone. Every time I hear him sing, I want to rip out my ears. Yes. They all appear in the cold opening with Garrett Morris and Gilda Radner, and they each get a line. I'm Dave, the unemployed guy from Oregon. I'm Deb Blair, mother of three from Peoria. I'm Connie, the Vassar co-ed. I'm Dick, the governor of South Dakota. That was then South Dakota governor Richard Knipe. He was a Democrat, a Catholic, and later he would serve the Carter administration as the US ambassador to Singapore. And one can only assume that this small time governor was probably the front runner until America got to hear from our 80-year-old hero, and her line was, I'm Mystical Spillman, and I'm old. And the audience goes nuts. Laughs, applause, America falls in love with Mystical Spillman. Then, during Buck Henry's monologue, he interviews all five finalists one by one, and to vote, you would either send in a postcard with your vote on it, or there was a ballot included in TV Guide. Yeah. Uh... Fun fact, right after the monologue was the now famous fake commercial for John Belushi's Little Chocolate Donuts, which is a classic. So the Chocolate Donuts commercial uh, came from that first appearance of Mystical Spillman's. There's a really funny part in the monologue where where, uh, uh, John Belushi is like, well, uh, one of them's an 80-year-old woman. No, Gilda Radner says one of the uh, 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 finalists is an 80-year-old woman. Isn't that amazing? Wouldn't you love to live to 80 years old? And John Belushi says, no, are you crazy? I'm going to die before I'm 30. (laughs) It's like, nice try, John Belushi. You died at 33. Wow, what a fail. (laughs) That was, that was uh that was bad on your part john yeah now we're left with jim Ugh. yeah exactly Ugh.
1: but at jim. least we did have a backup copy you know so like yeah. Yeah. it it kind of helped us like wean ourselves away <laughs> you oh, know
0: mike pence dies we got greg yeah <laughs> like like
1: you had a little bit of a oh, cushion weird. where it's like, where it's like, Oh, it's Jim Belushi, And he would get credit for something in your heart for being John's brother. Yeah. And then until you got to the point, where it was like, Oh, it's Jim Belushi. You suck.
0: Yeah. You just suck, dude. You just suck. <laughs> so then we don't care weekend, who your brother was. Yeah. <laughs> Then during weekend update in their first appearance, uh, Lorraine Newman interviews all five contestants and Lorraine asks Miscal Spillman, so Miskel Spillman, 80 year old grandmother, how do you feel? And she just says, oh, just tired. So, of course, Miskel Spillman won, and she returned two episodes later to host the big Christmas episode. This should have been a massive epic thing, the stuff of legend, an 80-year-old grandmother hosting SNL. Misko Spillman should have been a household name, the oldest person to host SNL until 88-year-old Betty White would host in 2010. Now, fun fact about when Betty White hosted, she was almost 90, for Christ's sake. Yeah, And it was believed that Betty White was so old that there's no way she could have handled the pressure of hosting SNL by herself. So since it was the Mother's Day episode, a number of former SNL moms appeared as well to help her, like Tina Fey, Kristen Wiig, Anna Gasteyer, and more. And they got that from Miskel Spillman because she was 80 years old. And so when she hosted, Buck Henry co-hosted with her to help the 80-year-old handle the weight of hosting a live TV show. This episode should have been a game changer for Misskel Spillman, um, which made her a household name. What happened to her? Elvis effing Costello happened. So here is how <laughs> Elvis Costello stole Misskel Spillman's big moment. The original plan was... Let's get the world's hardest band to play with the 80-year-old grandmother. So they signed the Sex Pistols to be the musical guest. But at the last minute, a Visa issue kept the band from being able to travel to the United States. And so suddenly, SNL needs to find a replacement in Fast. And that's how a young, and remember, rebellious, undo that pin, Elvis Costello, the troublemaking Elvis Costello, ended up as the musical guest for Miskel Spillman. Now, Columbia Records wanted him to play his laid-back new single, Less Than Zero, on SNL. But the problem with that is, that song is extremely British. It's a scathing attack on a British politician named Oswald Mosley, who was the leader of the British Union of Fascists. It's a song that American audiences wouldn't really understand because, uh, like... We've got our own Oswald that we hate. And Elvis Costello was real pissy about, like, I don't want to do this song on SNL. There's no reason to do this in front of an American audience. It's going to flop. I know it's the single, but, like, I don't want to do this. I want to do a fun song that people will remember me by, not a British song that American audiences won't understand. So uh, there was a big fight about it. The first musical number was the Ska-like song Watching the Detectives, which I like. Elvis Costello would go on to produce the debut album of the legendary Ska band, The Special. So it makes sense that he would write Watching the yeah. Detectives. It was a very Ska-sounding song. And that first musical number on Mystical Spillman's episode went off without a hitch. The second musical number... Elvis Costello, who was forced by his record company, by SNL, by everyone, to do his new single, Less Than Zero, he does a few bars of Less Than Zero. Then he gets about about 13 seconds into the song, and he starts to sing about Mr. Oswald with the swastika tattoo before waving his hands frantically at his band to stop playing, which they do. SNL is live. He then turns back to the microphone and quickly says, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, but there's no reason to do this song here. And he turns back to his band, tells them what song to play, and they blast through the much better song, Radio, Radio. And throughout the number, you can see Elvis Costello looking off nervously to the side where no doubt a bunch of suits and people with clipboards were losing their shit. Yeah. Boom! Elvis Costello was banned from SNL. And that ep- the episode that should have been about how an 80-year-old German immigrant grandmother hosted SNL will now forever be known as the episode where Elvis Costello changed songs in the in the beginning of a song yes. and uh, was banned from Saturday Night Live. Elvis Costello essentially robbed Miskell Spillman of her big moment. Now, I was going to end this chap with the story about how Elvis Costello was banned from SNL until 1989, where he was the musical guest for Mary Tyler Moore hosting the show. And also about how Elvis Costello interrupted the Beastie Boys during SNL's 25th anniversary special. The Beastie Boys go into the song Sabotage, which was their biggest hit and that they've played a million times. And then Elvis Costello runs on stage and gets them to stop and grabs the microphone and says, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, but I don't see any reason why we should play that song here. And then Elvis Costello sings... Radio Radio with the Beastie Boys backing him up. But instead, I want to end with this. Two years after the SNL stunt, Elvis Costello is heavily drinking at a Holiday Inn bar with (laughs) the stills of Crosby, Stills, and Nash. And he's so drunk that he gets belligerent. He gets angry. He gets Mel Gibson-y. He calls James Brown a, quote, jive-ass N-word, and Ray Charles, quote, a blind, ignorant N-word. And his explanation slash slash apology was that he was having a conversation he didn't like and wanted it to end. And what's the best way to end a conversation? By getting racist. He has (laughs) spent decades apologizing for this racist outburst, and here's the thing. What happens in society is a celebrity is caught doing something bad, then they apologize, Uh, But the thing about a public apology from a celebrity is, do they mean it? No, they're just saying, I am apologizing in public so that you can forget about this, we can all move on from this, and I can continue to get money from you. But here's the thing, we as the audience don't have to forgive these celebrities. It's disgusting that Woody Allen still continues to make movies disgusting that Mel Gibson continues to star in films, and it's disgusting that Elvis Costello wasn't fully held to the fire for saying the worst things in the world at a Holiday Inn bar. Yeah. Also, who drinks at a Holiday Inn bar? Apparently, uh, Declan Patrick Aloysius McManus does. But I don't feel like forgiving Woody Allen. I don't feel like forgiving Mel Gibson. And I don't feel like forgiving Elvis Costello. Screw you, Elvis Costello. And that's it for Steve's historical approximations this week. Take two. It almost didn't happen. Again, next week we'll be talking about um, a, a legendary, super famous, worldwide known author who wrote a werewolf book. That people don't want you to read. Oh. It's not Stephen King. It's not Stephen King, but it's going to be an exciting one next week. So join us next week for more educationally uneducational fun with Steve's Historic Approximations. And cut on that.